Hello, and welcome to the Matt Made Podcast. I am your host, Kenny Kim, and this is the first podcast where we're actually on the mats telling stories of how jiu-jitsu has changed people's lives on and off the mats. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to tell you about the folks who make this actually happen. Our sponsors, Fuji Mats, the best mats on the planet. This whole place was built on the mats, and these are the mats I have in my gym, and they are the temper-peating mattresses of mats. You feel like you're rolling on cloud nine. Fuji Mats has been a huge supporter of MatMade, and we are so proud to have MatMade's name partnered with the best mats, Fuji Mats. Check out their website and use the coupon code MatMade for 10% off everything, including their home training mats, gis, rash guard, any other jiu-jitsu gear you need. And also my favorite recovery drink, Hoist. Hoist is an IV level hydration that actually tastes good. After you train, you need to put some fuel back in your body. And Hoist is the best recovery drink on the planet. They are proud sponsors of the U.S. military. You can pick them up online, Food Lion, Winn-Dixie, Walmart, or even better, get your gym to start carrying Hoist. Thank you so much to Hoist for being a supporter of Matt Made Mission. We'll be talking a little more about them later on in the show. Today, my guest is none other than my good friend, a Ricardo Libora Jiu-Jitsu black belt and a former UFC fighter, Dean Yero Thomas. Dean was featured on The Ultimate Fighter 4, The Comeback, and holds notable victories over UFC lightweight champion, Jen Pulver, UFC welterweight champion, Matt Serra, and Strikeforce lightweight champion, Clay Guida. Dean has been a fighter, a trainer, a coach, and is now a commentator for the UFC and is regularly featured on ESPN. You can also catch him on Dana White's Looking for a Fight and Dean Diaries on YouTube. Today, Dean is going to tell us his story of how he started out teaching himself jiu-jitsu in his backyard to fighting in bars and becoming the very first UFC fight in Las Vegas. I'm incredibly happy and honored to have him here on the show with us today. Now, let's roll. Dean Yero. Thomas, which I want to talk about. What, man, what? <laughs> Are you of a, 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 a South American descent? Uh, no, I'm not. It's My parents are from Philly. So, so I have no idea where this comes from. I thought it was a joke because if you see his too. name, it's Dean. Dinero. I mean, yeah. Okay, money. All right, Dinero. I thought it was like, okay, man, he just came up with this uh, nickname, Dinero, the Money Thomas, right? And then I was booking his flight, right? I said, Dean, a while back, send me your ID. He sent me his ID. First name, Dean. Middle name, Yero. Like, Y-E-R-O, Yero. Dean, Yero. I'm like, oh, my God. The whole time, I thought it was a nickname. No, so right now there's a tweet going out where somebody was like, who has the worst nickname in MMA? And Bilal Muhammad was like, clearly it's Dean Yero Thomas. (laughs) And I'm thinking like, that's my real name. <laughs> right. That's my real name. And then, like, there were people defending me, going, oh, it means money. And I'm like, actually, it's just my real name. It's not a nickname. It's my real name. So I got the worst name in MMA, apparently. I don't think it's well, yeah. No, it's money. So it's yeah. money. It's still, it's still money. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it, it's not the worst name. But, like, how, how did you... Did you ever ask your parents, like... No, well, I mean, it's Arabic. So, you know, my brothers and my sister, we all got Arabic names. Okay. Because, you know, my parents were... You know, they grew up in Philly in the 60s. So they were, like kind of like on this pro-black hippie thing. Okay. So we all got these Arabic names. Like my brother's is Brahim Ahmadiyya, my other brother Haran Kareem. Dean is And Dean so Yero, dumb. but Dean is like, it's, it's Arabic for religion. It means religion. I don't okay. know what Yero means. So I don't know what that part of it means. No, they were doing something one yeah. night and they were like, yeah. 
You have De Niro? Okay. That's, that's what, what I think. That's what I think they, they just kind of messed up in that. I think they spelled something wrong in the, in the, <laughs> the so hospital. Yeah, so I don't know how I got that. But Well, well welcome. Uh, it's a pleasure and an honor to have you here with us today. Sitting here. This is amazing. Look at this. Like, this is, I mean, I almost feel like I'm being interrogated by two, like, good cop, bad cop. Or is it well, bad cop, good cop? Yeah. Which well, one is cop. it? Okay, good cop, bad cop. I yes. feel like I'm being yes. interrogated. Come on, he's the white guy. But this, yeah. <laughs> bad cop. <laughs> no, but this is this is amazing, man. I've never had an experience like this, like, in the podcast, in this setting. And this is amazing. I know you've done a lot of podcasts, a lot yeah. of interviews. You've been on, you know, broadcasting the UFC, being an analyst. But yeah, I think this is a one of a kind. I mean, that was my concept. I see, you know, if we're going to do a podcast, I want to do it on the mats. Like, I want to take her shoes off. Like, I want to be on the mats because for me, the atmosphere on the mats, I am comfortable. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like, that is our comfort zone. Yeah. Like, you put me in an office, like we talked about. I'm like, man, that's a nice corporate setting in here. I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't know what to do over here. Like, I don't feel comfortable. But as soon as you put me on the mats, I take my shoes off, I get on here, I'm like, ah. Isn't that there's something refreshing oh, about jumping man, on a mat? Like where, and it doesn't matter where no, in the world no, you are. No. Like you can go to any gym and just be like, yo, like just show up, like yo, I'm a yeah, black belt. Yeah. And then you go on the mat and it's just, you're at home no yeah. matter where you are. I was in uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was in Washington, D.C. at Ryan Hall's place. Same thing. Just, I, I just get that. on the mat mm -hmm. and it's just like, I feel like I'm 100% at home. No matter where I'm at, any mat. I in guess the world. it's like yeah. almost, I know you're very religious. So I guess it's like a Christian walking into a church. Yeah, for sure. There's just something, a special bond that you have right. with the environment and the atmosphere and the other people because you've been through the same things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How was that? The Ryan Hall experience. Well, why were you there first? I so, saw some. I, you know, I kind of gotten to know Ryan because, I mean, I've known him forever, like mm -hmm. for a long time. But but I wanted to be able to train with him because we have the same philosophies in terms of we don't we don't really believe in like size and all that stuff because and, and can we talk about this all the time we come from an old school where mm -hmm. you had to fight and you had to learn how to be accountable for your skill set sure and we didn't make excuses about oh well, this guy's bigger blah 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 and Ryan Hall still has that mindset and he still believes in jiu-jitsu he still believes in leverage over everything else so i said i have to go and train with him and share some information with mm -hmm. him and and I did. I, I went there twice. I went there the first time. Where is he like, at? He's in Washington, D.C. Okay. Just outside of Washington. I went there twice. And the first time I went, I was like, I got to, you know, this guy is brilliant. He's an, a so brilliant. He's a brilliant jujitsu player. Um, but he doesn't have a lot of MMA experience. And that's where I come in. So the collaboration between my MMA experience and then his jujitsu philosophy and knowledge, I mean, we're just trying to create new stuff. Is he still fighting? He's still fighting. He still has his deal. But the problem is he's getting, he's older now. How old so is he? he's he's got to be 37 or 38. Okay, he's getting up. So there. he's getting up there. But he's not he doesn't have a lot of miles. So he's still okay. Not MMA miles. Yeah, he don't have a lot of <laughs> MMA miles. So he's still doing he's, but he's, his body is still kind of torn up like he's got bad feet like it's just he's kind of torn up so I'm just hoping he can before he retires you know, do so, and it, it, you know, he and he lost to that fight with Ilya Taporia, and it, for me, it broke my heart because anytime a jujitsu guy loses, it's like, oh, we told you it doesn't work, we told you the guard doesn't oh, yeah. work, uh -huh, but it's uh -huh. like, okay, if you're a wrestler and you miss a shot, no one says anything. It's right. just like, oh, wrestle hard. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. So, and Ryan is one of the uh, last of a dying breed sure. who fully believes in it, and I said, all right, listen, we're going to create something. Kenny Florian was there, so like we were, we were doing some, we were making some magic. 
That's awesome. I can't wait for it. I mean, wh- yeah. whatever you guys come up with, I'm I'm sure it's gonna be magical. Like it's like just the name, like you, Ryan Hall, Kenny Florian. I mean, come on. Like, yeah, you know and I mean, mean, he and he works with Corey Sanhagen right now, who also shares some of the same philosophies as we do. So, um, I'm hoping to be able to work with Corey someday. Man, you got a lot going on for yourself. Man, listen, I can't do nothing else. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like if if I if I don't do this, what am I doing? Life. I can, I don't have other skills. Yeah. I gotta make this work. I ain't got no choice. I got to make this work. So thank you for having me on. Oh, thank you. Know, you know, like, this is great. I, I was on a podcast not that long ago. That's what I said. I said, they can offer me a nine-to-five bank job and pay me $200,000 a year. I couldn't do it because I wouldn't be qualified. I yeah, wouldn't know I'm what a, to do. Man, I'm, a, I'm like, count this money? What y'all talking right. about? I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this. Yeah, I don't know how to do this. You can't hold yeah. me accountable no, D- this Niro knows how to count the money. Well, oh, I, I count my yeah. own money. But like, if it's other people's money, I can't. I don't count other people's money. <laughs> you don't like, want to be held accountable I, for that. I can't do office work, and I, I definitely cannot do, like, construction or labor work. Yeah. And I feel... And, and, I, and I mean this with all due respect to anybody who does it, like, cause I couldn't do it. Like, I couldn't imagine like waking up early and going on a job. And man, I, I just so you, so you got a ton of stuff going on right now. Yeah, like you I, you're you've done everything from commentating to coaching to fighting to you know, shows on YouTube to all this other acting and movies and everything. Like, so what what does a typical day look like for you? I mean, it, it kind of changes. It changes because um, because I do so much stuff. I kind of leave myself open and available to doing so much stuff. So I'm doing radio. I have a radio show That's that right. I do every day. I do a serious podcast two days a week. Um, every other weekend, I'm going to the UFC to work the desk or I work as an analyst in, ter- uh, in terms of... And I actually named it the Dean role because I don't want nobody to take my job. It's where I sit behind the commentators and tell them what they missed. Wow. So yeah, so um, and you can catch me on a pay per view doing that. So um, and I named yeah, that. I won't yeah, be watching yeah. the pay per view. <laughs> too too old. Right? You can't <laughs> I'm, stay I'm, up I, that late. I'm yeah. gonna be falling asleep. But no, so so every other weekend I'm off doing that, and you know I'm just trying to stay busy. And you know I got a movie coming out. It actually premieres this weekend at the Santa Barbara Film Festival. Mm. It's called Grace Point. Grace Point. Yeah, guys, check it out. Grace Point. Grace tell, Point. Tell us about Grace Point. Grace Point. It's a film with. So if you're familiar with uh, Weekend at Bernie's, uh, an oh, yeah. actor in there, uh, Andrew McCarthy, he plays the father of John Johnny Lowe, who is Rob Lowe's son. And he plays the the protagonist trying to get the rehab. He's a kid hooked on drugs, and his father's trying to get him to rehab. And they go through this podunk town, and these you know backwoodsmen mm-hmm. try to stop him from getting to the rehab center. And I play one of the backwoodsmen. Myself, Aljamain Sterling is in it. Uh, Chris Weidman makes a cameo in it. Oh, okay. yeah, it's so, but it's a, it's a it's a really it's a really cool film. Where story. is the film based off of? Um, well, I mean, well, yeah, the actual film. Like, where's this Podunk town? What's it's in? It's in North Carolina. Okay, it's in North Carolina. So it's it's a true story then. Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, it was, it's filmed in North Carolina. Like everything, it was legit. Like we went to this really small town. And I was like, oh, I just fit right in. Like you know, I mean, I had a whole costume and you know in my outfits, and I really probably could have walked around and didn't you fit have right like uh, overalls? And yeah, I had. I well, I, I had like yeah, I had. Well, it was like a uh, like a tank top, like a dirty tank top, these big old pants. And I, I got a chance to like wear a fake eye. And this is when I realized that I could never wear contacts. Like, oh, was it like a fake eye contact? Yeah. And it took me every day. It took me forty five minutes just oh, to man. put the one contact in. <laughs> and everybody's like, "Oh, you got to do is pop it in." I'm like, and every time I would chop, I was like, 
<laughs> I, I can't do it. Like I don't I let it. Yeah, I can't put. I can't put things in my eyes. Things just won't go. Well, in my that's eyes. not very natural. Either. Yeah, it's not a natural thing. But you'll get into a ring with somebody and, and fight them and get punched in the eye. That doesn't bother you. It's just the contact, right? You, so like that, like I can't put contacts in. Like there's a lot. Like everybody, because I, like, I do so much stuff. Everybody thinks that I'm like good at a lot of stuff. I'm like I'm really not that good at anything. And you'll uh, find that. No, seriously, that. seriously, like, like playing pool. <laughs> right? I'm not that good. I'm not good at that. Like playing video games. I'm not good at that. Like all that stuff. I'm not good at. It's just like what I am good at. I tend to really you know, dig into it and really put it out there. So but when, other stuff, I'm terrible. So when you look at your calendar for the week and you see all these different things going on, which one of those gets you the most excited? Probably going on the desk for ESPN because that they're like working a pay-per-view for ESPN because those shows to do them are a little easier. I don't really have to get into the X's and O's. They care more about storylines and appealing to a general audience and plus I get to play dress up. Yeah. So I get yeah, the, I get the, you know what I'm saying? I get to put on a little ascot and a little jacket. I get to play dress up. So no, you look yeah, great. It's fun it's fun to play dress up and talk about what you know. Now do you prepare to go on the show? Like do you have a journal or a note that you write as to what you want to talk about, what you're breaking down and who you're talking about? Yeah, I mean the producers of the show they give us some stuff that we should know. But for the ESPN pay-per-views, it's easy because we're really only talking about the main fights. Now, when I work for the UFC and do the fight pass show, or not fight pass, but the the fight nights, mm -hmm, you know, they're a little bit harder because we dig into the shows and I have to watch a lot of footage of guys you never heard of. And right, up-and-coming like, yeah, guys. Yeah, 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 and I have to watch a lot of footage. We have to talk about these guys. So there's some homework involved in that. So I want to um, get a little bit in, into the backstory and the history of Dean Thomas um, a little bit. So how did how'd you get started? In MMA, so this was back in the nineties when you I, the very first show I saw was UFC two. Hoist Gracie, yeah, we Hoist talked Gracie. about it. Yeah, Hoist all Gracie. of us. Yeah. How did you get into you? Hoist, Hoist Gracie. <laughs> so I saw UFC two. My sister was like, "You got to see this." My sister, she she's she used to do like kickboxing back in the day, and she was like, and so somehow she found this UFC thing, and she's like, "You got to watch this tape." And I'm like, "All right." So I'm watching this tape, and again, Hoist Gracie, and I'm like, wait a minute. This guy weighs like 170 pounds. Now, mind you, in high school, I weighed about 100 pounds. I remember being in seventh grade. I weighed 76 pounds in seventh grade. By the time I got to high school, I weighed 100 pounds. So, I, you know, I was a small guy, and I was like, man, I don't want to get beat up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, don't, I really don't want to. I can't really. Like, I really don't want to get beat up. And, uh, and watching Hoist Gracie do what he was doing to bigger guys was just like amazing. It was like magic. So I said, I have to learn how to do this stuff. So when I graduated high school, I just like jumped right in. I literally, well, I had gotten a little bit of trouble. Like I wanted to go away to college, but I had gotten a little bit of trouble. But I bashed some dude in the head with a wrench. So I got a little bit. Was so, it over a girl? Yeah, you know how that is. You know, you know what Jacare said the same thing last yeah. year. He's like, stay away from those girls. Yeah, I'm telling you. About, <laughs> yeah, there's, it, everybody, every young man gets in trouble over a girl. And so I, but I mean, it worked out for me. So I'm like, I'm, I'm grateful for it. So I, I couldn't leave and go away to college. So I stayed back and studied fighting. I studied fighting. Like I would, I would rent all the tapes. You know, then I started buying the instructional tapes of Craig Kuko, Kenzo Gracie, uh -huh. Mario Sperry, like all these tapes. And me and my buddy Paul Rodriguez, who actually runs ATT in Orlando now, because he's from my hometown, and we would just practice in our in the so backyard. You guys didn't have formal training. No, we just practiced in the Where? backyard. In, in the backyard. Yeah, in the backyard. <laughs> On the grass, and then we bought some some like uh, some like gymnastic mats, and then put them down. And was we it majority just, of like just jujitsu moves, or 
mostly jujitsu moves, just practicing that. And then, but then we would just mimic what we saw on the UFC. Like we would try to like, you know, spar around, you know, the hood sparring, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, and then, and then after we did that for about a year or two. Uh-huh. And um and then he moved to Orlando. Paul Rodriguez moved to Orlando, and then I eventually followed him up there. And then we started fighting up there. You know, they started having like little shows and bars. So this was before it was regulated, but but so, you were yeah. fighting before you had formal training. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. How'd that go? Not bad, actually. I swear, <laughs> I swear. Well, because no one had like formal training. Uh-huh. Like no no one was any good. And I remember the only people that had like formal training were like. Some jujitsu guys were like blue belts, and man, if you had a blue belt back in the nineties, oh yeah. you was you was the baddest dude around. <laughs> you, know what I mean? like, you was the baddest. Like there was, uh, the- I say that like a purple belt is seen like uh, uh, um, a bigfoot. And then a brown belt was like a, a fairy. And yeah, you know, yeah, and then yeah. And a black belt was just this like. It was a god. Yeah. yeah. It was like, oh, yeah. this moment, you know? So, like, there were like, so that's what I was competing against, just like blue belts. So I could hold my own. To these guys, yeah, yeah. I was I was athletic, and I was and I understood the moves from practicing them so much. I didn't know how to do them, but I understood the That's mechanics a, a little talent, bit. Though. Yeah, just understood the mechanics of it. But I tell you what, though, learning that way actually helped me now. Helps me now because I think outside of the box. Like I don't have a filter like other coaches. Like if you come from a wrestling background, when I see yeah. a position, there they see it as a wrestler. I see it as a dude who's just looking at stuff the same way I did when I was learning it. So I think I have an advantage over a lot of other coaches and analysts in the game for that reason. Yeah, I think uh, you do because when I hear you talk about the fight game and breaking it down, I mean, you really uh, make it easy for people to understand it too whenever you're breaking these things down. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I feel like I have to... The the hard part for me is I have to talk to the general public without insulting the knowledgeable mm-hmm. so like that's a kind of a, a challenge at times it's always challenging you yeah. can't please everybody right? yeah right and it's like you do it one way they cut you out you do it another way you know they yeah. hit you for it so yeah you just gotta do yours you know all right so you're fighting in bars yeah i'm fighting <laughs> so yeah i'm fighting in bars so and uh, i mean and this is why like it, it, it blows my mind like how far the sport has come like these guys are we making, talked about it earlier remember talking about the ufc blows my mind because like i remember the very first time I got paid, I fought in a show. Like yeah. this too, right? I mean, it happened so fast. What? The first time I... No, the evolution. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was just like, boom. Yeah. It's just like overnight. Like one day, it's one thing. The next day, you're... Think about you're it. You're fighting in bars and 18 years old. And look at yourself now. You're one of the analysts working behind the desk I, at the, I mean, the, the elite MMA organization in the world. I mean, I can watch UFC on the plane. You know, and, when and I'm you're like, in yeah. it, and then yes, and you're and in I, it. Yes, exactly. I'm like, <laughs> is that, is that me? I'll, like sometimes I'll be going through the airport and I'll look up on the TV screen and I'm like talking on one of the screens at the airport. And I'm like, oh my god, this is wild. But no, like I just so and I remember the first time I got paid. I I went to a show. It was called the uh, the Tampa Valley Tudo. Valley Tudo, you know, obviously yeah. means anything goes. Anything it was the Tampa Valley Tudo. Yeah, essentially, it's kind of like what it is. And I remember I showed up and I was supposed to fight one guy. And he didn't show up. And then another guy, his opponent didn't show up, so they put us two together. Unfortunately, this dude was 225 pounds. <laughs> I was 150 pounds. And he was like, you want to fight? Good. And I was like, I don't care. Let's do it. You know what I'm saying? And he was like a football player from like Bethune-Cookman. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. And this is when I realized this was in my heart. This was the first time I ever got paid. Went out and fought this guy. And I'm standing in the corner. And my corner guy comes up and goes, hey, man. This before they announce us. He goes, hey, man, I heard he benches 400 pounds. I was like, oh, Lord. <laughs> 
I'm like, and I'm standing across looking at this behemoth of a man, and I'm like, damn, I can't get out of it now. I guess I gotta fight this guy. So I go out, take him down, and I end up key locking this guy oh, in like okay. in like two minutes. And yeah. I, then I was like, this is this is when I knew I was built for this. And then I remember at the end of the night, the promoter comes up to me, digs in his pocket, pulls out a, a wad of money, starts counting it. Then hands me 30 bucks. He's like, hey, here's some gas. That's exactly what it is. Like, here you go. Thanks for coming out. I was like, oh my God. 30 bucks. I was like, well, at least I got gas money. Which yeah, y'all want to drink? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that was the first time I got paid for a fight. And now, and like, but to see where it's come, where it's come and how much these guys are making and negotiating these contracts and how, I mean, it's it's amazing. But it's also sometimes like knowing where I come from, I also find it a little bit disrespectful. For these guys to be yeah. the way they the way they treat the game and are like, oh, I'm oh, I'm entitled to this. And I'm just like, dude, you don't know what it's like being mm-hmm. where I've been mm-hmm. and having to, you know, fight really for the for the rights that you have now. So that's that's one of the questions I wanted to ask you. I mean, I know that's a hot button topic right now about fighters pay, but you have such a I think you have such an interesting perspective on that coming from the beginning and all the way up and then still involved in UFC now. How do you feel about what's going on with with the fighters and the UFC and pay? The problem is, is you know how when people go, I train UFC, and we go, UFC is not a thing. Well, it's it is a thing, but it's not a thing. But the problem is, the UFC has to take the responsibility for everything that happens in MMA, and the UFC have has done a really good job of it. I, I agree, but they can't do it all. So the problem is, is that Fighter pay is really an MMA problem. It's an MMA problem. It's not a UFC problem. It's an MMA problem. But the problem is people put the responsibility on the UFC because they made it. They're on the pedestal. Yeah, because they made it. It's because the UFC's marketing team allowed themselves to get to the point. They did the business right to make it. And the reason why I say this is because I've seen all the other shows come up and fail. I was around when the UFC wasn't the biggest show. In fact, my first opportunity to fight in the UFC, I turned it down to fight in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. They they wanted me to fight Jens Pulver for the lightweight title mm-hmm. in the UFC. And I was like, nah, I got this other fight in Hawaii. And I turned it down. So at the same, so while the UFC is the big dog now, it wasn't always there until they put their marketing sure. team together and build the, their league up. So it's almost like, now that they're built up, everybody wants to come at them and go, you need to pay these guys. You need to pay these guys more. But what about all the other people? You know what I'm saying? You can't pick on them because they made it. Right, right. So, but the UFC still does a good job of paying more than everybody else. At the end so, of the day, the UFC pay, takes care of their fighters way better than everybody else. Yeah, we talked about it briefly yeah, in the car. Yeah, they take care of their fighters way better than everybody else, but everybody still wants to go, oh, the UFC needs to pay them more because they make more. But what about the other organizations? Yeah. Come at, come at the other organizations, too. Don't just go at the UFC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as a business owner and an entrepreneur, I love Dana White's responses of like, okay, either go start your own yeah, sure. <laughs> or go somewhere else and, and, get pay, yeah, oh, yeah. and get paid. Well, in. so, I mean, everybody says that, right? But you know who never who never really chimes in on the conversation? Other promoters because right. they know better. They, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Yeah. Just don't bring me into this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you never hear like LFA come up and like, yeah, UFC needs to pay him more. Right. <laughs> Bellator don't say that. <laughs> nah, I'm gonna keep my mouth shut. I'm gonna keep my mouth shut. And then look at Habib. Habib had his own organization. Right. Mm. And he did about, I don't know, four or five shows or whatever. And now what? His biggest star was Kevin Lee. And what did Kevin Lee do? Just signed with the UFC. Yeah. 
Kevin Lee was like, yo, man, it ain't, you know, I need to get back <laughs> to the UFC. So yeah. that just goes to show you that, like, you can, everybody, you know, comes down on the UFC for their fighter pay, but at the end of the day, it's, fighter pay is an MMA problem, not a UFC problem, mm-hmm. and the UFC still takes care of everybody better than. I think it's not only just MMA, well, with MMA, you know, we're talking about fighter pay, but, like, people, let's say, jiu-jitsu tournaments, for example, people are like, oh, man, this tournament is ran so bad, they don't have this, they don't have that, I mean, and then same thing, all these different tournaments pop up, and then silently they're gone. Yep. Yeah. They, they, they can't run it. They can't run them. Oh, we're going to do it for the people. We're going to charge 50 bucks an entry fee. That way everybody gets to compete. Okay. Well, where are they now? Yeah. I'm not saying gone. that's not right. good. It's just it's not feasible for a business to sustain its path without making money. Right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so with that being said, so the IBJJF is mm-hmm. has to be a solid I mean they've been around forever. Mm-hmm. So clearly they're doing something right. Right. And I know a lot of people might not like them or whatever, but clearly they're doing something right. If they're still around, they're doing something right. They're getting bigger and bigger. And if they're getting bigger then like they're <laughs> very they're doing something sure. very right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I mean, you can't really hate on them for that yeah. because they're around and they're still giving people opportunities to do what they love. Yeah. So at the end of the day, like if if they're around giving up people opportunities to doing what they love, shut up. Right. <laughs> you know? And and I think the the good news is that the future is bright for this business. Um, I think that the pay is coming because I mean th- we were just talking about how quick it's gone from nobody's getting anything thirty dollars to fight a giant that you were getting to now guys getting some of the guys getting paid a lot right. I think about back like football, baseball. I mean, back in the day when those sports were starting, these guys weren't getting. Oh no! Like these guys, like some of these guys had second jobs. You know, yeah. what I mean? like they. I mean, it's just the, the nature of the game. So it's coming. Yeah, it's. Well, yeah, I, I believe that. I got a friend in the, the the soccer business, right? So I asked on on Atlanta's uh, Atlanta United's team. I'm like, how much do the players get? Like, I know the inside guy. How much do the players make? Not the top guys. Like, let's just say a normal guy. I said, normal guy like could make. 60 to 80,000 a year. That's just a like a nine to five job for some people. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's a professional. Like getting, yeah, and that's a professional. They're not making these millions that you think they would. Right. And this is major league ba- uh, uh, so soccer. Soccer. Yeah. So they're making about 60 to, to 80. Yeah, I depending mean, on who they are. Yeah. You may have I mean, one player that makes, you know, a couple of million. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And right. I think all sports are, are pretty much the same yeah. in terms of that. I mean, but then they talk about like, you know, the NFL, the league minimum and all that. But that's, you can't compare that because first off, like to play in the NFL, like you got to go through a lot. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You, I mean, you really got to go through a lot to. But even in the NFL, you take a B string guy and see how much he makes. Not much. Right, I mean, it would, I think the league minimum is like one hundred and eighty thousand yeah, or something much. like that. But I mean, they, to get there, you have to do a lot. But they're also a part of a team, mm-hmm. and they, you know, what I'm saying they're also a part of a team, and they are relied upon to do something. Like fighters are pretty much at yeah. the end of the day, like pretty much expendable. Like yeah. we can just put, plug somebody else yeah. in, so we don't really need you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we don't really need you unless you are drawing in the numbers. Mm-hmm. But in the NFL, like they need those guys, and if they if the, if, this, if that's not the guy. Then they're going to bring in the next, but they need those guys sure. to help them win. So you had 36 MMA fights. Is that right? That's what the internet says. Yeah. So yeah. If that's what the internet says, I'm not, <laughs> not going to argue with that. the internet. Yeah. I have, yeah. That's a lot um, of fights. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I had a lot of time to do it. I mean, I fought professionally for 15 years, so I had a lot of time to really to put that in. It, it seems like a lot, but I had a lot of them like 
early in your career, you're fighting a lot, you know, especially back then because there were no regulations. Right. So like, you know, if you had a cage and you had a bar, you do a fight. I remember yeah. these local fights, they would do like two to three fights a night. Yeah. You get done, it's like, oh, the other guy dropped out. You want to fight again? Sure. Yeah. I just had a couple of beers, but yeah, we'll go on and fight. I mean, that's that's <laughs> the way it was. I mean, it was literally the wild, wild west. So, I mean, it was, I mean, being able to come up during that time, like I said, it, it gives me a greater appreciation of where we are today. But um, I have 36 fights. I got most of them done earlier. And then, you know, as my career got more, you know, it's, you start getting tired. Yeah. Yeah. You start getting tired. And you're just like, do I really want to do this? Ah, the page, I need the money. (laughs) I can't do nothing. (laughs) I can't do nothing else. You know, I need the money. I can't do nothing else. So, I mean, and it it worked out for me. You know, I mean, it really did. It worked out for me. So let's go back to your jujitsu roots. Mm -hmm. Other than the backyard wrestling that you did watching video VHS tapes. Who who did you start training with? Like like formally like who did you start training? With? So all right, so back then, what I how I first got like legit technique because of most of it was from videotapes, mm-hmm. but I got legit technique from doing a lot of seminars. So the very first seminar I did was in 1995 with Hicks and Gracie. I drove my car to Charlotte, North Carolina, with a buddy. We did a two day seminar. It was four hours a day. I slept in the car. I had no money. I slept in the car. Did the four hours, slept in the car, did the four hours, and drove home all the way back to Florida. Then um, I did a seminar with Hoist Gracie. I did a seminar with Half Gracie. I did seminars with Marco Hua. So, like, I was getting, like, filling in some of the holes by doing these seminars. But it wasn't until I moved to Orlando. Like I said, I moved to Orlando after I started fighting. Mm-hmm. Moved to Orlando, and I started training with uh, this guy, Marcelo Grosso. And uh, Dino Sharim, there were these Brazilian guys that were out in Orlando. And then another guy named Andre Linares, who was out in Orlando. So, like, I started training with these guys. They were black belts. Mm-hmm. Who, I don't even know if they were black belts. You know how, like, <laughs> yeah. at that time, like, if you like, you were getting your black belt on the plane. Yeah. So, I don't, like, but, you know, but they but they were, like, good. And they, they invited us in and we started training with those. So, like, that's kind of how I started my jiu-jitsu, like, straight jiu-jitsu roots was rounding it Did out with those guys. starting the gi? No, and this was all no gi stuff. Like, because, you know, in your backyard, you don't have a gi, so it's just like, No, I'm yeah. saying when you, when you went in with those guys. Nah, it was, it was still no gi at the time. I actually didn't start training gi. I mean, I did a couple times just because, like, you kind of had to, but I didn't really officially start training gi until Laborio. So then when I got with Laborio at, at American Top Team back in, like, 2000, 2001, then I put on the gi and was like, man, it's kind of cool. This is awesome. And then, so I started training with the Gi with him. What, uh, did you have a rank when you started? The Blue, because um, in 1997, I went to a seminar. It was in Jacksonville. It was with Hoist Gracie. And it and at the end of the seminar, he had us all rolling around with each other. And he was walking around checking us out. And at the end of the seminar, he was like, Hey, you're about a blue belt. And he gave me a blue belt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so well, I you probably put in more time than a blue belt. Yeah. So, I mean, because, you know, training by myself with my boy, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, we had to figure out how to, how it works. So, like I said, I was pretty good at it without having, like, an instructor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I was in this place and I was, I mean, they were all nerds in there, too. You know what I mean? It was like, like, today, like, it's like college wrestlers and a bunch of tough dudes. Yeah, yeah. But, like, they were, like, back then, it was just a bunch of nerds in there. So, I was, like, in there just, like, tossing them around. <laughs> All right, so that's okay. So and then you started training with Laborio. Yeah, I started training with Laborio, and actually, so I, I came. I went to American Top Team as a, a blue belt, and then uh, Marcelo uh, Silvera 
gave me my purple belt in like 2002 or something like that. And then Laborio gave me my brown belt in 2004. And then he gave me my black belt in 2007. Long term. Yeah. And I mean, and but at the end of it all, like I started off no gi and all this, but at the end of it all, I remember just thinking, I don't ever want to train no gi. Like I don't, I don't really like no gi. It like hurts. Like people grabbing you. Like I don't rather it's like grab my jacket, man. Don't don't grab me, man. Don't grab me. <laughs> you say exactly yeah. the opposite way. Some people are like, I don't like training because it hurts and I have to make the grips and you know this, but you know. No, nah, I, I prefer to train like when I was training, I preferred to train in the gi. So I would only train gi and MMA. I wouldn't do just no gi. That would hurt. Like if it, like I got bad wrists, like people grab my arms and stuff. I didn't like it. So I was like, <laughs> I need to train in the gi. And I actually competed at the um at the Feli World Championships mm-hmm. twice. Uh once in uh, in Fort Lauderdale in two thousand nine. I took silver. I lost to Hanato Tavares in the, mm-hmm. in the um and then I competed in Poland the year after and I lost to some dude from like Italy. It, it was like weird rules, but <laughs> but um but it was in the gi. See? There you yeah. go. Yeah. There you go, guys. Training the gi. No. Yeah, train no so I'm for real, man. Training the gi, man. I love training in the gi. Uh, I think I you know what? That's that's the thing. So going back. Uh, we, I talk about jiu-jitsu, and I mentioned earlier that there's a split right now. Gi, no gi, you know, different rule sets. That's, but I always say, I'm like, you should be good at the gi, no gi. Your jiu-jitsu should just be jiu-jitsu, whether you're in the case, out in the street, with the jacket on, without the jacket on, with spandex, butt naked. I don't know. Your jiu-jitsu should work. You should be able to have a fundamental level of jiu-jitsu where you can make it work in whatever situation you're in. Right. And not just favor, oh, I can't do that because I don't have any grips. Yeah, I mean. Or I can't do that because you're too slippery. Or, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, these are all cop-outs that, that keep people from getting better. Because if you can't be accountable for yourself, like, you always make excuses. You just sure. can't get better. Right. So, for me, like, I don't, I don't physically train that much. But right now, I can do what my intention was set out to do when I first started. And that was not getting my butt kicked. Yeah. Like, I still won't get my butt kicked out. I may not be able to beat a lot of people, but no one's going to beat me down. Yeah. Like, I can defend myself. I can, I can block. Mm-hmm. You're not going to choke me out. I know how to defend a choke. You might mount me, but you're not going fin- to arm bar right, me. Right. So, like, mm-hmm. I can do what I need to sure. do. And that's all I care about. That's right. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. like, my jujitsu is compatible. And, and that's in any arena. Gi, no gi, MMA. Yeah, like, like you're so not going to hurt me. Yeah. It's so important. Yeah. I try to... I try to implement those ideas to my students when I teach. And I'm not saying you should do only ye or you don't need. I think you should do both. I think you should be a transmissible in both, right? And, for sure. Uh, and I, I, even the gi guys making excuses for no gi. Oh, man, like they're just too slippery. I don't have any grips to make. Well, there's other grips you can make. You can yeah, like, exactly. I mean, like the, the, the collar could be the back of the neck. You know what I mean? The sleeve could be the elbow. Like there's different grips you can make and vice versa. No gi guy is saying, Oh man, you know, I, you know, they're holding me down. They're slowing me down. I'm like, yeah, that's the whole purpose. And if you can still maneuver and navigate with them holding you down, imagine how good your game's going to be when you take it off. But that's the thing, man, is it, but like in life, but that applies to life. Whenever you make excuses of why you can't do something, you can't get better. Yep. And that's, yeah, you can't move forward. So you have to be able to be accountable for your shortcomings. Like, you should embrace them. Like, in fact, embrace them. Embrace the fact that, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody's too slippery. Because now you have to find a way. You have to be creative to find a way. And that's how I apply everything to life. Like, if something goes wrong, perfect. A surprise, perfect. Now I got to find a way. 
that's we always uh, make that parallel between jujitsu and life, and that's that's what we're talking about. Like even the simplest stuff, we can take it back and kind of compare it to what life throws at you. Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. And I mean that's, and that's, and I mean I do, I kind of, I do miss that about the mats. Like there's some, like you said, I still get on the mats, and I'm always thinking about like I'm that old dude because I, I remember you <laughs> in the gym, you'd be the old, the old black belts yeah, just yeah, sit yeah, on the wall. Yeah, like that's what I've turned into. Like but it's okay, a, but you're yeah, on the mat. I'm, yeah, I'm on the mat, and I feel great doing sure. that. The problem is, like, if I start rolling around, then I'm going to actually be in bed for the next two weeks, and I can't <laughs> afford to do that. So, like, I'm ha I'm happy sitting on the wall, sure. but that's my that's you're my happy place. You're still making your yeah. contribution. Yeah, I'm still making my contribution, but that's my happy place. Yep, that's it. So, Dean, I'm, I'm so glad that you set me up for this uh, this segue here with Jiu-Jitsu and Life. So, this is the Matt Made Podcast. Uh, you were actually with us on the very first Matt Made show. Mm -hmm. We went to Nashville. Mm-hmm. And um, we filmed Heather's story. Yeah. And so the whole concept is jujitsu changes lives and we tell the stories. So we told Heather's story. And I know you and I talked a lot about that while we were there, right? I mean, just this incredible story. But so how has you personally, how has jujitsu, how is it helping you today in life? Oh, it's everything. I mean, if, if you guys knew how I grew up in terms of how shy of a person I was. Like people who I grew up with can't believe that I'm doing what I'm doing now. I just, you know what? I'm sorry to cut you off, but I was that shy kid that couldn't. Like I was just praying the teacher wouldn't call my name to read the book out loud. Like exactly. read sentence. You you shy? <laughs> I know <laughs> exactly right. That's exactly. exactly. What I'm talking about exactly. I, I, I was like, please, Lord, please don't call my name. Don't call my name. And I couldn't make eye contact. I, I was that kid. I'm that. Same thing, man. And like, and everybody's reading around the room, and you're practicing your love, and you're getting nervous. And like, man, I'm telling you, I mean, <laughs> yeah, PTSD about it, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, so I'm telling you, but I was, I was so shy and so quiet and just afraid of my own shadow and always intimidated by people. I remember, I remember being a kid because I, I, I was born in Delaware. I grew up in Delaware until I was 13 and I moved to Florida. And I remember being like 13 or 14 years old, just afraid to go to Miami. Because I was like, man, Miami. Yeah. Cubans. You know. <laughs> Cubans. <laughs> yeah. Cuban. yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like, you know, like just, you know, just like, you know, people with money and they're like, I'm, they're going to, you know, they're yeah. gonna beat me up. And, uh, you know, I was afraid of that. I mean, and it wasn't until like years and years and years into my training, like once you start, once you realize that you could choke a man to sleep, like <laughs> when you have this power yeah, and you're like yeah. the power's it's in my head. It is a superpower. It is magic. And it's from so doing jujitsu, yeah, like it taught me so much about people. Like you, and 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 on the mats, the truth is revealed. Oh, you can't hide. Yeah, no. You can't, you, you know, you can't hide. And people hide in life. You can hide behind mm -hmm. money. You can hide behind clothes, status, clothes, all that mm -hmm. stuff. But on the mat, you can't hide. I mean, their demeanor to their attitude to like, you know, as soon as you start training with them, you tap them or you get, you'll know exactly yeah, yeah, what yeah, yeah. you feel. You can't hide that. You can't hide. That reveals you, them 100%. I think that's why, like, you can become friends with somebody immediately. you like best friends. You know what I mean? Oh, how long have you guys been friends? We just met like it's two hours truth, ago. It's yeah. because, it, because that bond is right there because of your history of uh -huh. doing jiu-jitsu on the mat yep. meets their history on the mat, and then mm -hmm. it just connects. And you, all of a sudden, you got yep. 20 years time served Short. because of that. Yeah. So, and that, I mean, that really is... 
it, it just gives you a power. It feels like you got to have a superpower in life in terms of confidence and and learning and understanding people. And jujitsu has given me that. And I wouldn't trade that for nothing. Like that is a priceless. It oh, is yeah. priceless. I'm just so glad that I did it because I wouldn't I couldn't imagine where I would be now without that. Like, and then and you the can't really thing. and you can't put a price tag on it. It sounds like a broken record. Seriously. Yeah. I say the same thing. I mean, so many people will tell you the same exact thing. Like, I wouldn't know where I'll be. Yeah. Without it. But you can't and you can't you can't quantify that. Like no. you can't put money on that no. because it, I mean, you couldn't pay for it. Well, people come with money and can't get this. Right, right. They can't, can't put the you, time you or the dedication to. or whatever it may be. They don't last. What is it? 1% make it to black belt? Is that what like it is? It's, it's probably. Something, something, yeah. We can look it up. But, uh, something like that. And uh, so you're basically one percenters or like the top one percenters. And even at black belt, you know, like I was, like I said, I'm going on year 14. You know, you'll be year 16 or 17. Just that black belt. I'm like... We're, we've been black belts longer than some of these kids have been training. I know it's or, <laughs> how old they are. Yeah, I know it's to me. It's like it's baffling because you know I see some of these kids now, and he's. I mean, you know, jujitsu has never been as good as it is now. Oh, now right? it's, it's I mean, incredible. It's, it is like the movement and like just watching it. It's never been as beautiful as it is it now. It is beautiful. Yeah, it's a beautiful to thing to the watch. train eyes. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> the untrained eyes, it's like watching. Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> I don't know. For me to be like golf. Oh, look at that golf swing. Wow. That was yeah, right. I'm maybe, like, maybe. Nah, is that, is that what? You, I don't know. But I'm just saying. To yeah. me, like certain moves are just, I'm like, wow. Like when you, watch, when you watch a move and some of these movements, you're just like, oh, my God, this is a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah. Um, but then when you look, when I think about how young they are, I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> like this dude wasn't even alive. When I when got I my was, black belt. Yeah, yeah, when I got my black belt. Yeah. And look at him now. Yeah. Like it's crazy to me to yeah. think that. But it, 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 it definitely parallels. It's You can talk to anybody that's been in, 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 in the sport for a long time, and they'll tell you exactly the same thing that we're saying right now. You know? Yeah. But again, yeah, I was that shy kid, man. So weird, huh? Yeah. Kim, but like, he's, I mean, he's so natural. It seems like he's such a natural. But it's, yeah, it's jiu-jitsu, I was, right? I, like, was, I was a kid with the head down. Like, I was afraid somebody was going to talk to me. I was afraid, like, somebody want to go play with me, like, asking me to do something. Like, that was me. Like, I was so afraid. Kids would be like, let's go ride our skateboards. We're going to go to this neighborhood. Ah, oh, I can't. Uh, like, I would be scared to get in trouble because I didn't obey my parents. Like, I left my house or, you know, I was one of those kids. Like, See, very timid. And I know, and this is why I think jujitsu is good, especially in the right environment, because, and, and Ryan Hall said this. He said, I got into martial arts. Because he he had some he had some some uh, some beef with some guys in yeah. the industry, and he said, "I got into martial arts to get away from these type of people." Yeah. Right. So this is why, like, sometimes when when people talk about jujitsu and say, "Oh, well, you gotta you know get your butt whipped to learn," I'm like, "Do you really?" I mean, you mm-hmm. kind of like at a certain level, but in the beginning, like that should not be a part of right. the process. Right. Like getting because be- like you come in and you're shy and you're afraid and you don't have confidence, and then you want to beat me up. <laughs> Like that's the last thing yeah. I want. Like I didn't come yeah. here to get that. Mm-hmm. So I think so. When we were talking earlier about like your progress, your programs, and your the way you organize it and, and educate people in jujitsu, that's beautiful. And I think that you know getting beat up in jujitsu comes later. Sure, like that comes like you're gonna want to get beat up. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. At a time you you embrace that. 
But in the beginning, when you're learning, like that's the last thing you mm-hmm. want because like that's because if if I started off like luckily for me, I said like I said I was like pretty good at it just because um. I was a decent athlete. But if I got into it as a shy kid and I started getting beat up, I yeah. would not be doing this. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I would not be doing this. So I think that as an instructor, it is your duty mm-hmm. to protect your students. Yeah. It's that. to give them that confidence, first yeah, of all, before for sure. anything, you know, to knowing that, hey, you can do this. Thing. Yeah, for sure. You know like you I mean? have to have you have to get that confidence first. And I think that is the responsibility of every instructor yeah. in the country, in yeah. the world. to give And I think every black belt yeah. that starts to become a coach, become an instructor, I think it's it's imperative that they embrace that. It's not only teaching techniques, right, but also knowing what each individual is there for. Yeah, you know for I mean? sure. Maybe, you know, you have a group of 30 to 50, so you can't get to every, but you should know, like, this 50-year-old guy isn't here to be the next world champion. This guy is here, or maybe he is, you know what I mean? So you have to kind of cater to uh, each individual as their own goal. Well, and that's what I, and that's why I love jiu-jitsu probably more so now today than back then, because back then it was really kind of, everybody was in the room and it was, Two hours of warm ups, and then it was like three techniques, and, and it was kill and be killed, and and only the strong survive. Now I was lucky enough to be able to make it through that because then, you know I was I was young, but you know if you're 50 years old and like you lack confidence at that age and you're getting bullied, bullied, man, jujitsu is for you. Mm-hmm. You just yeah. make sure you go to right. the right place, right. Right. and they take care of you. And that's the whole yeah. that's the whole thing about Matt May that we're doing is like we're trying to connect these people with these stories. All these stories that we're putting up on our Instagram pages and on YouTube shorts is that somebody out there is going to, you know, resonate with what you're saying. Oh, I was overweight. I was this. Oh, my God. That's me. Yeah, for sure. We just got a message. Guy said, you know, I've been out of jiu-jitsu for 10 years. He said, after watching your videos, I just found a local school and joined. Thank you. Like, we get messages like that. Like, that yeah, makes us yeah. feel I mean, amazing. That's empowering. You know what I mean? Like, and that's the whole reason we started this. That's that. That was my idea when I first started this map make thing. It was just like, man, I. It has done so much for me. How do I empower others? So Kenny got a message um, two months ago with a guy um, that said he's been watching the videos and he was going to commit suicide. Mm. He said, "I got a gun in my lap." I was about. I was ready to. And one of our videos popped up on Instagram with Michael Wishnia who talked about his struggle with suicide and how jujitsu helped him and all that, uh, you know, Marine. And, uh, he said, I put it, I put it away. He said, I put the gun down. I, I'm going tonight to join a local jujitsu gym. No kidding. See, I mean, and that's, that's powerful. That's powerful. That is like, I'm getting goosebumps right yeah, now. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, yeah. it gives you like a chill, right? I got a chill just yeah. thinking about that, how, mm-hmm. how impactful that can be. And that's why it's so important. I remember having a, you remember David Camarillo, yep. right? So I remember years ago, um, I had a conversation with him about jujitsu. And and David Camarillo is, was the man. I mean, he was at that time. Like yeah. he was when he was at his peak. He mm-hmm. was so training with BJ too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah he yeah, was training, yeah. training with BJ and he was, you know, black belt in judo, black belt in jujitsu. I mean, he was like one of the head guys on the, yep. on the West coast. And I remember talking to him, and I don't think he really understood how powerful it was because he was he was saying, "Man, it's just jujitsu. It's not like it's like building a house or mm-hmm. doing anything like that." And I was kind of like, and I was like, "Dude, do you understand? Like, you can change people's lives yeah. doing this." And I don't know if he changed his tune on that, but 
But unfortunately, mm-hmm. some people still think that way. There's yeah. some younger guys that come up that are just in it. They're like, I don't care about anything else. I just want to score two points so I can get my gold medal. Like some people, think, which is okay. Like, look, yeah. I'm not, I'm not fronting your, 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 your goals, right? But I, my personally, myself want to share the benefits of jujitsu, right? More Be- than just. That aspect, just Be, the one aspect. Because it's more, it's more than that superficial, oh, yeah, like, get a medal or just choke somebody. I mean, it's that's really what Laboria said. Laboria said, you know, he's got all these titles, too. He said, ah, at the end of the day, it's just a piece of metal. They don't, it doesn't even mean anything. Yeah. He's like, I don't even know where I have it. <laughs> right. You know? He's like, but when I'm at the university, seeing these kids for the first time, getting their first role and getting the confidence to move on in the world, he said, that's what jujitsu is. He's And he's right. Yes. And you can't... and. And like I said, I think this was at a time they, maybe David Camarillo might have been burnt out or who knows, who maybe he changed his tune. Maybe he still feels the same way. But to me, I just I, I will never forget that conversation, though, because I remember thinking that, mm-hmm. thinking this way back then. Even, even, thinking back then it, yeah. even back then, thinking it like, this is important for people. Yeah. Like, it's important for like people's livelihood. Sure. Yeah, I mean, we, we have on now the Matt Made site. You can go to stories, and we started categorizing them by... Uh, these stories so you can go on there and you can click on you know people that have struggled with alcohol weight loss autism death of a loved one ptsd and all these stories from these people and we've got uh, almost a hundred of them on there now Mm. but you can click on one and just see like because if that's you and you're struggling with that thing and you click on that and you see 10 people that are going through the same thing and you're like man this is it's not a fluke yeah, yeah. I mean, we get messages every day. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Like, it's like, I needed that. That yeah. is me. We just had a guy that's got several palsy on there just talking about it. We had a guy that's, you know, one of my students who's a physician. He talks about, like, you know, the gentle touch and, like, how his wife gets jealous because he comes home happy after. You know, he's like, <laughs> he's like I have a very stressful job at you know, work. And yeah. he goes to jiu-jitsu. He comes home. He said he's happy. His wife's, like, jealous of jiu-jitsu. <laughs> well, I tell you, so, <laughs> so, I, so I remember when I used to run my school, I had a couple of schools back in the day. And that was the thing for guys who didn't want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> like guys kick them like, out. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I mean, but you know what? At the end of the day, it probably saved marriages. Yes. Yeah. Because it they kept didn't go out. to the bar. Or they right. didn't do something crazy. They didn't do nothing crazy. They were coming in and like, you know, then they got stress relief and they went home and were probably happier people. Right. And they and better to their and yeah. better to their wives yep. because of it. Mm-hmm. Other than just going home and like, you know, getting in these little yes. cat fights. Right. But I, I remember I used to have like a whole it was like a whole club of like middle aged men. They were just like so happy to come home and get away from or come to the gym and get away from yeah. home and then yeah. go home and it was just right. much better people. I've got I was talking to one of my students last night. I said, Hey man, why don't you come to a Sunday? We have a competition. He's like, I'm here six days a week and my wife will kill me, but ah, I sure do want to. If she ever goes to work, I'll be here. <laughs> He's like itching, you know. He's like chosen for it. Like, yeah, man. I'm telling you, people. Like, yeah, and and not, if you haven't experienced it, you may not be able to right. And it's, relate I mean, to it's it, but, form of therapy. Yeah. It really is. We hear, we hear that in so many of the stories. They're like, yeah. this is my therapy. And it's jujitsu, but it's the environment. Like, if it's a toxic environment, you're not going to get that therapy. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know what I mean? And that's why it's important to maybe do some research on different academies, right? You, Again, have, to, you have to do research on that. So that's where we come in. Yeah. So we've even thought about that. And so we got MattMade.com, our website. Now, we're, it's, it's getting done. 7,000 jujitsu school in the U.S. It's a directory. And you're going to be able to... Pinpoint your city, read about it, like their categories, what they have, what they offer, 
you know, we're going to offer, you know, uh, um, a um, verification process where, like, are they background check? Do they have this? Do they have women's classes? Do they have showers? Do they, like, they're going to be able to do all the research before they even step foot in there, like virtual tours. I mean, stuff. that is... Uh, so now we're connecting... It's coming. <laughs> yeah, that's it's coming. great. The academies to the future students. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's... I mean, that's a, that's an amazing resource to have for, for yeah. people. Because a lot of times... And I, I still get this today when people go, man, do you recommend any schools? And I go, yeah, you should check out this school. And they go, oh, man, that's like 20 minutes from my house. And I go, so? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, would you would you like not date somebody because they live 20? Like, right. really, when you are yeah. entering a relationship with a school, like, that is a relationship. Sure. And it don't matter how far it is. If you get along with them, that's the one for yeah. you. Nowadays, you know, people are all about instant gratification. Yeah. You know, like, right here, right now. I yeah, like, I needed to be like, across yeah, the street. Yeah, yeah. That's probably not the place for you. Right. So you need to find the one that is the place for mm-hmm. you. Yep, exactly. That's why we're having all that done for them. Yeah. So they can be like, okay, within five mile radius of my house or ten miles radius of my, house. and then they'll be able to find all the schools. And that's great because, like some, pe- like you said, some people are looking for different things. Like yeah. if they're looking for right. you know more competition or sure. looking for just self defense, right. like they'll be able to. Yep, they'll be. Able to, it's going to be all right listed there. on there, and the uh, the owners of the academies are going to be able to like upload their own stories, their posts, pictures, videos, and whatnot. And so, man, it's, it's all going to connect people. And we're also going to have some sponsor, like, you know, uh, instructionals. They can be like, oh, I want to watch the instructional. Here's someone's YouTube channel. Boom. Here's uh, a product that I can buy. Here's a good, great gi. You know, like everything is just going to be intertwined. And See, I love see, I love that direction that jiu-jitsu is taking. And I think that actually opens the doors up for more unity as opposed to yes. you know, much more, you know, because it's been so segregated for mm-hmm. so long. And I think that had a lot to do with the competition and the fact that there was nothing, no reward other than just bragging rights. Mm-hmm. So it was always, you had to be proud of your academy. And I'm not training with those guys. I'm, I represent my yeah. teams, you know, our team, team, our team, team the, yeah. you know, this Cause that, there was but, no money involved right. in it. And it wasn't really about what we're talking right. about. It was all about competition. But now when there's so many other benefits, you know, yeah. I think that opens up a lot of the doors for unity and just people coming yeah. together. And no, it's jujitsu, it's just jujitsu. Yeah, yeah, and, and we're trying to, you know, with our with the Matt Made Show, right? We're trying to sh- to take it mainstream and inspire people and show them about how jujitsu does. Oh, speaking of, so change people's lives. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned to Dean that we're wrapping up our, you know, season one. It's in the uh, in the works. The last episode. You know, we're going to try to get it to a network, but he was also saying, hey, you know, I mean, I said, you know, I've already gotten in touch with uh, you know, one of the execs at Netflix. But he was like, hey, UFC Fight Pass me. Yeah. The great one. Yeah. You know what I mean? It fits right into it. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I, we just we just want, as, uh, you know, the a broad place so that we can reach as many people sure. as possible with jujitsu. And the job is, hey, inspire them and show them stories of people that are just like them. And then where's that next step for them? It's, okay, well, how do I do this? Okay, well, now go find your mat on matmade.com. Right? Yeah, yeah, So yeah, now yeah. it's like, let's get you plugged in and show you what you can do the next step. So we just want to keep removing barriers and barriers because we know jujitsu changes lives. You know. So yeah. You know. Yeah. He knows. Like, So why would we not try to do that for as many people as possible? Because it can help somebody going through a divorce. If it can help somebody going through, you know, uh, that went through a car accident, the stories that we have on there, then let's get this to as many people as possible. And that this directory and this gym part is just mm-hmm. the next logical step for people to go, oh, that's awesome. I might want to try it. What do I do now? And I, I love it too, because like jujitsu is so much easier. It's easier to consume, consume nowadays before it was, yeah. like I said, because it was like, 
kind of uh, like team this team that team, but it's a lot easier to consume nowadays. And there's, yeah. it's so it's so widely available. Yeah. yeah. Before, literally, almost all of us, like in the state of Georgia, we really had two teams, and like most of us had to drive forty five minutes to like two hours to get to the gym one way, train two three hours, mm-hmm. drive back home again. It's like a six-hour ordeal just to That's get one. That's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> but we did it. Yeah. We've got now 7,000 schools in our database yeah. in the U.S. All so, you have to do is bring your phone up and be like, boom, okay, there it is. You're I mean, that's, that's great. Yeah. I mean, literally, because people ask me all the time, like, where should I go? And like, if I can just like, you'll go to MapMade yeah. and that's the goal. look it up. Right. Just MapMade.com. Put your city. That's it. And it just yeah. pulls it up. And then you can basically categorize like, all right, I need this, 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 this. I'm looking for showers. I'm looking for this. I'm looking for that. I'm looking for kids' class. No showers. Yeah. Well, they're out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, but you know what, man? But it also, I think that something like that also uh, forces academies to be. Yeah, step up. You know, to step your game up. Standards yeah. are going to go yeah, up. Yeah, step your game up. Because, because if not, yeah. you're going to be at the bottom of the list. Yeah, for sure. Like, And then and then you ain't got no one to blame no. for your lack exactly. of students. You know, because that's what we do. That's what, you know... Oh, well, they're stealing my students. No, they're not stealing students, man. They just have a better program. Mm. I, mm. You know, stealing students is so funny because uh, years ago, I was at a conference, like a business, martial arts business conference. And this uh, this one um, business guru said, okay, we're talking about that. Oh, this guy opened up five minutes from me. Oh, man. He said, okay, that's fine. If you're worried about that guy, then you're not doing anything right. And then he said, go to your local grocery store. He says, stand at the front door for an hour. See how many people you know. And everybody's like, oh. I actually tried it. I think I saw like one person. He's like, you know, everybody else is walking in out of that place. Hundreds of people. He said, they're potential students. And you're worried about five students that, you know, somebody else opened it out and went to? He's right. Scarcity and abundance. Yeah, he's right. I mean, look at the car dealership. They're next to each other. I know. Look at the grocery store, gas stations, clubs. Yes, things <laughs> be next to each other, right? And I always, and I used to say this, like especially like with kids, I, like the martial arts school is not your competition. No, soccer mm-hmm. and all these other yeah, things where exactly. they're that are, right. that are like other having all these kids, yeah. all these mm-hmm. other activities. So like, don't be mad when somebody right. don't think this, he's well, just stealing your students. Well, that that reminds me of uh, extreme ownership by uh, Jocko. His book mm-hmm. It's like, then you got to step up take responsibility because it's your damn fault yes. that they left. Yeah, for not sure. Them. Yeah. Yeah. You know You're not I mean? doing your job. Yeah. It's you. Yeah. I believe in that, man. Like I, And I think that that's a lost, you know, I don't want to say art, but it's kind of a lost, like accountability is just a lost art. You mm-hmm. know? Like people just don't want to be accountable for nothing. It's always pointing the finger. You did it, you did all this. Well, again, going back though, jujitsu teaches you that. Yeah, because ha- you can't lie. You didn't choke me <laughs> up because... <laughs> Oh, yeah, he's just better. No, I mean, I mean, oh, he got lucky. No, 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 he's no, just no, better. better. You messed up. You, you didn't better, do yeah. something. Like, take accountability. Yeah, you got to be accountable for that yeah. or else or else you're never going to get better. No. And that's the only way to get better. And that's better why a lot of people quit because they yeah. can't handle, accept the truth about it. Yeah. But now, I mean, that says a lot about people's character. Sure. Right. So and that's like, what we talk that, about. And, and that's why you know, like, if you're on a mat in a good environment that you're around good people. Yep. Because good people, like bad people, weed themselves out of a good environment. Mm-hmm. They'll find a way to get it. They'll find a way out. So yeah. Like, oh, that's yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, 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 that's what I always say. Like, we have a great environment because once they come in and they don't feel like it's their vibe, they're out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And as long as you maintain that culture, yeah. you're always going to have a good environment. Yeah. And you're only gonna, it's only going to grow from that. 
it's hard to, it's hard to break that up when you have a good environment. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. You know, it's it's uh when you have a group of people, solid group of people that you know it, uh, stands by what you believe in, mm-hmm. they can't penetrate. Yeah, yeah. So, what are some of the best cultures that you've walked into? Best gyms, best places. You've been all over the the, the world. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you know the best places. I don't. I can't like put a finger on any one place, but the best places tend to have certain things in common. They're not too big, and there's a a, a hierarchy of respect. And it's not like a, a respect where it's like an intimidation, like I'm afraid. Bow down yeah, to like me. Bow, yeah, it's not that. It's a it's a respect where a mutual respect between the instructor and the students. Actually, maybe I can't like Matt Sarah's place is pretty is pretty damn good. Like like it's because he's well, I mean so anything fun. Matt yeah, Sarah does is good. I know, right? Nice so like, <laughs> but that's just him. Like that's just him. Like he's a he's a TV character. So like his he brings a certain energy to any place he goes, but places that are, you know, not too big where students get lost in a shuffle, but where everybody's like family and places where like the kids come and train and then they stick around while their parents train mm-hmm. or vice, you know what I'm saying? Or vice versa. So those are the best places, you know, but sometimes we get caught up in, oh, I got to have this affiliation. Yeah. I got to have this name. And like, that's not really what does it. And again, it's accountability. I remember people saying, oh man, I need to grow my school. So I need to get an affiliation. I go, what the hell is that affiliation going to do? Yeah. You need to just be better to your students. Yeah, Treat them better. So if I'm a new student and I walk into a gym and I see families training, right? Kids. Stay. Sign up. Sign up. Hey, put, put, yeah, pay for the year. Yeah, pay for the year. Yeah, if you walk into a gym and there's a mother and a father and then the kids are in their geese on the side, you know, playing on the side and the kids are... That's the place to be. Yeah, that's the right place. I got to give a shout out to to Kenny then because that's uh, that's exactly what happens at his gym. (laughs) And my my son's my son trains there. I mean, he's been there for for two years, and uh, there's a lot of families. A lot of uh, kids bring their parents uh, Mm -hmm. eventually, right? The kids start, or vice versa, and then the parents. Yeah, but there's a lot of uh, awesome families that all train together there. It's and it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So I'm telling you, like that is a that is a sign. That is a sign of now, a healthy environment. Of a healthy environment. Now, here's a sign of some a toxic environment. Yeah, like yeah. when you're in there and like, <laughs> and and dudes are walking around, no shirt on, spitting mm. on the mat. Like that's <laughs> if you walk into a place and you see that, you see like dudes walking around throwing you know snot boogers on the yeah, mm. like just leave right down there. Yeah. Or cursing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that's a, that's a bad that's a bad place. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a bad. I place. always tell you know. Um, my guys, I'm like, hey, you know, it's be respectful. You know, yeah, there's women yeah. here, kids here. Like, you don't want to be, you know, you know, it happens sometimes. I mean, like during training, they get so hard, like, oh my god. And yeah. they, they, I'm like, I mean, we ask them nicely. I'm like, hey, like, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't know that. And they'll put their, you know, get back on. But I mean, it's just out of you know mutual respect. Like, yeah, you know, it's just you, it's not just you in here. This is a public space. You know, right, I mean, right. Public it's place a lot of people. Share. Yeah, everybody's sharing. Mm-hmm. And there's a vulnerability about this. Like the people are being vulnerable, allowing themselves to put them in a position where other people are f- touching them. Right. And yeah. touching people is, is you know, it's not normal. Like, well, no especially in our society. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, if you look at the, the, the Europeans or even the South Americans, like, this is, I'm fine. I don't, and I, like, even 
guys. I don't like, like you know, like the Brazilians. They hug, they kiss, yeah. you know, like. But we don't do. We do a lot of nice to meet you. Just yeah. you know, one of these, and it's, we're, we're very, you know, like standoffish. Yeah, 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 like, like very don't, defensive. Don't touch me. You know, yeah. like you're too close to me. Like you know, uh, but jujitsu kind of cures that. It's yeah, just weird. Yeah, like yeah. even now when I talk to my students, when I talk to people, I'm always touching them. I'm like, sometimes I'm like, man, <laughs> maybe they're going to take it the wrong way. But I'm always like, you know, my hands on the shoulder. I'm like tapping them. I'm like, hey, you know, I'm always like. You're tapping them? Yeah. <laughs> Not like that tap, but you know what I mean? Like, oh, my hands are on them. I just, I feel very comfortable, you know? Like, my students are training. I'll walk by them sometimes. I just like, hey, good job, you know? Like, one of these movements. Like, I'm touching them, you know? It's, and they, they feel comfortable, you know? Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it, it, it gets them there. Well, there's something so healing about physical touch from other from other humans, yeah, and loving, yeah, we need that. and yeah, we need and it. it's lost here in this country, yeah. right? You're right. And so jujitsu brings that for sure. That's why, again, going back, they can be best friends. Literally afterwards, everybody's sitting on the mat like this for like 30 more minutes. I'm like, guys, let's go. It's 10 o'clock. I need to get some sleep. You used to, you had that problem, right? <laughs> yeah, it, because it become it becomes the yeah. local oh, yeah. hangout. Yep, yep. It, and that's. But that's a good that's sign. A good sign. That's a good. Yes, that's a, that's a good another sign. good. That's another sign. Like when every when class is over and people are just hanging out. Yeah. Like if that's if people are hanging out at your place afterwards, yeah. I know it's it could be annoying for the you know the owner or the instructors, but no, it that's is a, a good that's sign. That's a really good sign. Sure, it is yeah. a good sign because you built something where they yeah. want to be there. They, yeah. The, the, the energy is there. Yeah. You know where it's just not. It's not a place where people just come in and go. Okay, let me do my thing and then leave. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. let me get in and I'll beat some people right, up and then, and then leave. Then like, leave. That's, no. a, that's a bad place. To- well, I'll go back to, like, when we were in Nashville for the first episode of Matt Made, right? And we were at Milton's Gym. What a cool play- What a cool environment that was. Yeah. Everybody was hanging out. Yeah. Everybody was was hugging. And, and that's that was why Heather, you know, and telling her story about abuse and violence and all the things that mm-hmm. she went through and watching people, you know, uh, commit suicide in front of her. Like it was her family that was around there that came around her and, and helped her through that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you could see it just on that Saturday that we were there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's such a beautiful thing to witness, you know, firsthand mm-hmm. to watch that and to watch people grow and to watch people come up and like and just be in that environment and just, you know, they thrive in that, like, do, like a flower blossoms. In that type of environment. You know, especially after filming all these episodes, man, visiting different cities. And then when people really open up to me, God, it's, it's, now I'm more into it, more invested into it because I see what it does. You yeah. know, like, yeah. you know, it's not easy to open up in front of a camera. Last segment. I want to do the chat GPT, right? Yeah. Chat GPT. I told Are you, you familiar with chat GPT? I, I had no idea this existed. Okay. So I'm, you know. So this is a newer thing. Uh, it's been all over the news and everything lately, but uh, a group called OpenAI. Uh, released this back in November. So this is an AI uh, writing tool and um, it allows, you can ask it and have conversations with it. And conversations. It's am- yeah. It's, it's amazing. So I'm going to pull it up here. I'm going to put it up the- on the big screen okay. so you can see it. And basically what I'm going to tell it, I'm going to say, Hey, I got Dean Thomas on a podcast here. What should I ask him? So hold on, wait, is this, is this free? To yeah, be? it's free right now. Right now. Right now. Okay, I so. don't know what's going to happen with it, you know, uh, in the future, but right now it is free. Uh, it's usually down because the servers are overloaded because so, so many people are using it. And it is completely disrupting everything. I mean, especially in the marketing world, because you can ask it to write uh, sales copy for you, marketing mm-hmm. copy, headlines, oh, describe wow. products. You can give it a complex topic and say, explain this to me like I was in fifth grade. It's mind-blowing, all the things that it can do. 
Um, I might have to use it. So I got to show you. <laughs> just to, just just so you'll believe it, I got to show you and bring up uh-huh. uh, what this thing can do. So I'm going to start reading some of these off to you. Do I have to answer? No. You can, <laughs> okay. Well, you can pick one. Okay, okay. You pick right, one. All right. Question one, because it gave us 10. What was it like to fight in the UFC? It knows already, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. How does martial how how was how has your martial arts training evolved over the years? What advice would you give to young fighters looking to make it in the sport? What do you think is the most important skill for a successful fighter? How has your fight career influenced your life outside the cage? What are your thoughts on the current state of the sport? We've covered so many of these already. Yeah, I know. What do you think the future holds for MMA? What's been your proudest moment inside the cage? What do you do to stay motivated and focused when training? What advice would you give to someone who just started out in martial arts? So all I did was give it your name. And, it's and it says, here's the questions you should ask them on a podcast. I could have just turned my computer around and let you talk the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we would have yeah, been done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd like to hear about uh, maybe your proudest moment inside the cage. Proudest moment inside the cage. I tell you what, like, and I, and the only reason why I can really quantify this is based on emotion. So the most I've ever got emotional inside of a cage, believe it or not, it wasn't even one of my fights. It was when Tyron Woodley won the belt Mm. against Robbie Lawler right here in Atlanta. And I just remember it was so much work put into the camp and how motivated he was for that fight. And, and I never, and for me, like I never won a championship. Mm -hmm. So to be a part of his process, it was almost like I got it that way. So when he won the wow. UFC welterweight title, that was my proudest moment. Man, that's deep. Yeah, and I remember just getting pretty emotional during that. That's deep. Yeah. Because it just speaks highly of like you as a coach, you know what I mean? Like you're being invested that much yeah, to yeah. feel that emotional about somebody else's big achievement. Of course you had part. Right, but like you know, as a fighter, it's kind of like as a fighter, you're just kind of you know, it's like ah, well, I'm lose, you know, I get over it, you know, like especially when you lose, you're like oh yeah, yeah. man, it sucks, and then you're like all right, I get over it. But and then when you win, you're you know hot for a minute, and then the next day you go to the store and you're still the same person, yeah. but, <laughs> right? True but that. um, but when you help somebody else do something great, I mean, you just really feel you feel mm. prouder, you feel yeah. stronger because I know that I help this other person i mean the only way to compare that would be like if my son was able to achieve something great and i was there i was there for the process and you know what i mean to see that and feel that yeah you know i mean yeah that's, i mean that's the only way i would know how to describe that feeling yeah i mean it it, it definitely touched me it, and so like that i would have to say that is, is tyron done day. after the jake paul knockout with i hope boxing? so <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I, I know he had talked about. I know he had talked about doing it, but I'm like, he's like he's like forty something. I'm like, stop, yeah. man. Come on. I mean, he. I mean, he's he's financially well off. Yeah. Right? I mean, he's like doing. He's doing a lot of TV now, and he was in. I mean, he's got doing his movies and few rap albums that didn't too, do too well. You know. <laughs> I think he's. I think he's done that. I think he's okay. He, he might be finished with his music career, but he's got his you know his TV career. He's doing a lot of different things. That's so, for him. I mean, he's he's the most resilient human being I've ever met in my life. Well, that's never, probably why he made it to the top. Yeah, for sure. I've never met someone who could just let things roll off his back like him. He'd just wake up in the morning and be like, okay, everybody hates me. Let's go get him. You know, like I've never met somebody who was that, that Again, that's, strong. That's yeah. why champ, champ, he became a champion. Yeah. You know? Champions are made that way. Yeah. What else you got? 
So uh, here's the benefits of jiu-jitsu. Number one, improve physical fitness. Jiu-jitsu is an excellent form of exercise that promotes physical fitness, flexibility, balance, and coordination. It increases strength, power, and endurance. You agree? I agree. All right. Agree. Number two, improve mental health. Wow. Jiu-jitsu is an effective form of stress relief and can improve mental health. It encourages mindfulness and teaches discipline. That's excellent. Yes. Number three, improve self-defense skills. Jiu-jitsu is an effective form of self-defense. It teaches techniques to protect oneself and subdue attackers. Number four, improved confidence. How much did we talk about this today? Yeah, for sure. Learning and practicing jiu-jitsu can increase self-confidence and self-esteem. And number five, improved social skills. For you two, right? <laughs> yeah. Both of us. Wow. Jiu-jitsu encourages teamwork and cooperation with other students. It also provides a great way to make new friends. You know, so when I look at this list, right, the only thing, my only problem with it is, I mean, I don't know if they did it in chronological oh, order, but I would have it probably the other way around. Right. Okay. Like, sure. yeah, improve social skills mm -hmm. and all that stuff. I would have those even, like, the last thing, for, honestly, would be the mm -hmm. physical part of it. It's crazy right yeah. there, which is encourages mindfulness and teaches discipline. Like, one of the students that, uh, one of the, uh, he's 60 years old, doctors that just did a story with us, Exactly what he said. Mindfulness. Yeah. We Mindfulness. Have to be, like, that's the one thing like about you. In jiu-jitsu, you have to yeah. be in the moment and yeah. paying attention. Yeah. And discipline. Yeah. Man, that's just, it's crazy. Can you do, have him draw that picture? Yeah. We'll see. Have the right picture? Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. I told him to, uh, to, to come up with a picture of, um, of Dean Thomas in the UFC, but this is, uh, they got you looking... Is that me? Yeah, they, you look pretty good there, man. I do look pretty good you there. You look like a Dean Herschel Walker. Yes. That I, looks like Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, for a while, I was like, is that Francis and Gato? Yeah, it looks like it. Uh, look at those shoulders. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. That's, so that's what it thinks you look like. So this, your your future is looking good on yeah. with, in the AI world, man. So put in Katie Kim Jiu-Jitsu. What does it think pops up? It doesn't have anything for for Kenny Kim, uh, well, I, so far I'm liking what AI has done to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. AI has been good to you, man. Yeah, it has. Like, look at that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's Very awesome. Cool. All right, let's start uh, start wrapping it up. What's next for Dean Thomas? Is this just you just keep out hustling, or what, what's I'm not next? Just out hustling, man. I, yeah. I always every day I wake up, I always say this is the beginning. So I feel like this is just the beginning for me. So I want to do more. Hmm. I can't do enough. Like I always want to do more. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I fill my schedule up day to day. And every day for me is an audition for the next project. So I want to do more and keep going. And, but it's also important to me as I'm going to bring everybody with me. Mm -hmm. you know, we get sort of, my saying is, you know, send the elevator back down. So you get up, send it back down, put some more, put some more people on it. Bring them up. So like, that's my goal. Well, you know, I love it. I love it is because you know I, I made a phone call to Dean. I, I text messaged him probably a couple weeks ago, and uh, I said, "Hey man, what's going on? You busy?" He's like, "What you need?" I said, "Hey, you know, I started this new podcast." And he said, "When?" <laughs> he Basically. sent he sent the elevator down. Yeah, <laughs> let's go, I know, man. I, yeah, yeah. And uh, I said, I have this date, I have this date. Okay, let's do it. Boom. Amazing. That was it. That's it. That was it. And uh, I just want to say, man, I really appreciate you taking, you know, like you just talked about, your busy schedule, like, you know, taking this entire day, being here with us, 
podcast. Obviously, we're doing some other filming today, and then we're going to be visiting my school. Um, hopefully, you know, my students will get a little treat tonight from the OG. Ooh, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I had a great time today. I mean, we talked about a lot of things, and mostly about the benefits of what these physical mats have done for us and what it can do for others. Uh, you want to add anything? I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your time. No, thank you. I thank you guys. Like, for me... I see what y'all are doing and if we can get more hands on this and get this out there, you help more people. And that's mm-hmm. what this is about. Yeah, it definitely is. So, well, anyways, guys, this is, uh, the Matt made podcast on the mat. This is your host, Kenny Kim and my co-host Reggie. And, uh, we're closing it out with a big. Oops. Oops. Thanks for being with us. Dean. <laughs>